0: Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode I'm joined by beauty writer and founder of Call Time on Melanoma, Lisa Patulney. This is our last episode of season one. I will be back on the 15th of January, so I thought I would wrap up the year with what is Objectively, a really important interview in the hopes that the extra few weeks that this will spend at the top of the episode feed will afford it the time it deserves at the forefront of your minds and hopefully allow Lisa's message to fully sink in. Melanoma is the third most common cancer in Australian women, and Call Time on Melanoma is a not for profit initiative founded by beauty editor Lisa Petulny, initially as a platform to share the story of Natalie Fornasia, who was diagnosed with stage three melanoma at age 20. I would usually spend this time having a chat and giving you a bit of background on the interview subject, but honestly, nobody can tell the story of call time on melanoma in the way that its founder can. What I do need to make note of is that in this interview we mentioned that Natalie, the driving force behind call time on melanoma, had no active cancer in her system and at the time of recording that was absolutely the case. A few weeks ago melanoma was discovered in Natalie's gut and in her bowel. She's since undergone surgery again, during which both cancerous tumours have been removed but so begins the very long road of recovery and further treatment. There's not a great deal more that I can say other than fuck cancer, absolutely fuck it. And if you do only listen to one episode in full of this, you know, inherently rather silly podcast this year, please let it be this one. We love Natalie. I love Lisa and she's become a friend this year. And I'm constantly in awe of the work that she does. So on behalf of literally everyone, Lisa, thank you. This is going to be a bit of a different interview because obviously we're not talking about a product per se, but I do like to start every interview in the same way. So what is your very first memory of beauty?
1: Uh, my first memory of beauty is kind of embarrassing. Um, but when I was a little girl, I used to play with all the shampoos and stuff in our family bathroom. And mm-hmm. um, I used to basically pretend I was on TVSN. Except okay, I don't really know if TVSN existed then, but like, TV shopping? Yeah, there would have been certainly a segment on Sunrise or similar. Mm, It was kind of weird, but... um, I like that. I'm sure I did the same at some point. I'm sure my parents thought I was strange because they would have heard me, like, talking to myself (laughs) in the bathroom. (laughs) Do you have siblings? I've got a sister.
0: Okay. Yeah. See, if my parents heard me... I'm an only child, so if they heard me talking to myself, they'd be like, off she goes again. (laughs) Her imaginary sibling. Standard. I, um, of course, do want to spend the bulk of this interview talking about called time on melanoma, but I think it is important to touch on your career thus far because that's all, you know, what's led to it. So what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child?
1: I always wanted to be a journalist and a writer. That's oh, so it. you've known from day one. Yeah, I was one of those weirdos in high school who was, you know... One of a few who actually knew what they wanted to do. I'm sure I had no idea what was actually involved, but I liked the idea of it um, and I just knew that I wanted to work at a magazine specifically. Uh Uh-huh. Loved magazines. Yeah. Oh, this is sounding like
0: the same as me. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. But a different time then because magazines then distinctly different. Yes. You got a job in magazines pretty early on because if research serves you began
1: your career as an intern at shop do you drop? Yeah so it was a hard slog. Um as an intern first I mean I inter- interned at a few different magazines. Yeah um including Grazia I think was the one before I was at shop but they had a couple of other titles Shop for Kids and Shop Girl. Oh, okay. Um, which was sort of like once or twice a year issues. I think Shop for Kids was up to four times a year actually. But that's what I started interning mm-hmm. on. And then I met someone who would become my mentor and now my good mate. Yeah. Um, and she sort of took me under her wing. I don't think I considered... I loved beauty but I didn't mm-hmm. consider that that's what I would do, beauty journalism. Well, I think people...
0: Well, certainly I didn't think of it as a job. Yeah. Like you just think magazines, fashion. Or journalism, you're like, you've got fashion magazines or you've got the newspaper.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought um, features. maybe. Yeah. I just um, I've never wanted to really work in fashion. That's definitely not my yep. thing. But that's um, a, becoming a trend on this podcast. <laughs> <I'm learning. laughs> well, it's just I'm. It's not my vibe. Some people yeah. like live it, breathe it. Obviously, I am interested in it, but it's not. Yeah. I'm no expert. So um yeah, I think having met her name's Amy star Yes. Um we just clicked mm-hmm. on a I don't know, like quite an intense level and Um, had the same sort of taste at that time. She was doing beauty and lifestyle. So she sort of gave me the first look in at that. And once I saw in, I was sort of like, is this actually a job? Yeah. People pay you for this, this giant room full of beauty products that you get to play with. Um, Obviously, that's not the reality of it, but it's a nice perk. perk. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Silver
1: lining. Yeah. So... You then went on to work full-time there, correct? Yes. So I was doing a couple – I think I was doing one page from memory as an Mm -hmm. intern and just helping assist, basically. And then um, I think I hung around for so long I interned for 18 months that I – It's a fair stint. Yeah, it was a fair stint. I mean, lots of people, including my parents, bless them, told me – that I needed to get a clue and stop working for free but at that point that was really the only way in so that's what I did and then eventually the editor Justine Cullen Mm -hmm. basically made up a job for me. Thank you Justine. (laughs) Were there
0: any lessons that you learnt then when your career was in its infancy that you find you're still applying to your work now?
1: Maybe don't give up. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Even when the odds are stacked against you. Um, I don't know. I think I've always been quite determined. So maybe it just um, proved to me that I was right listening to the gut. Yeah. I think that's um, the biggest lesson I've ever learned about business life. Anything is always listen to the gut, even times when on paper that seems like the wrong decision it's never steered me wrong Mm -hmm. oh I like that
0: you were again if research serves you were promoted to beauty editor at shop in 2013 before going on to work as beauty editor at both famous and at birdie what was it about beauty that really drew you in from like that first moment of seeing the beauty cupboard
1: so many things. I mean, obviously beauty, well, if you're interested in it, it's fun in yes, and of it itself. Is. It's very fun. Um, I loved the science of skincare. I mm-hmm. found that really fascinating. I think I'm a bit of a science nerd. Yeah. So I was super interested in that. And I love fragrance too. Mm-hmm. So Amazing. that was a big thing for me once I sort of um, stepped into that world. Mm-hmm. I was enamoured with it. Um, I don't know. It's very fun. I think just it is – I don't know, I feel like I always make it sound very flowery and obviously it is beautiful and fun and you get to do lots of great things yeah. and meet amazing people. Like that's another massive draw. The people in the beauty industry in Australia are amazing. They really are. Yes. No I'm, bias. So many friendly people and just all the other beauty editors – it was like a little family
0: I often think that with I mean I'm making this about me with Fashion Week it's so it's just a very strange atmosphere out the front with all of the the outfit photos and stuff happening you go backstage to do all your beauty interviews it's like a camaraderie if, if someone's doing like an interview with the lead artist and you've missed a quote they're like come on in sure He's, yeah it's amazing. Totally.
1: I've, it's always been like that like oh yes. you miss this one I'll just send you the file amazing I think um, people maybe think it's really competitive but mm. we all get the same products and the same information yeah for, I mean some people depending on what title you work for you will have more or less access to certain mm. people and brands but for the most part it's just really nice yeah so, yeah, that's, a such a being. <laughs> that's such a flowery answer, but um, it's good fun. Well, it's going to be a de- bit of a
0: decidedly unflowery podcast, so we
1: can start there. <laughs> <laughs> probably for the best. It was in
0: 2017 that you were promoted to senior editor at Birdie and My Domain.
1: I think you know my life better <laughs> yeah, than I've I do. Got, I
0: went deep. Um, there was an interview on the Beauty Island podcast, one of my faves, you were saying that beauty editors often
1: make the best like editor-editors. Why is that? I think mostly it's because when you work in beauty, or at least, I mean, I can speak about my own career, but certainly in magazines way back when, working in beauty gave you a really good insight at... Um, different parts of the magazine so including advertorial and um, being involved in sort of commercial conversations and stuff like that I think you get a better look at the broader picture than in some other roles that you can have Um, I don't know what it is it's just traditionally been a thing there's lots of editors who've been formerly beauty editors yeah like Justine Cullen ...is one of them. I know Mia Friedman was a beauty editor at one point. Mm. I think also Paula Joy perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of amazing, um, super switched on, bright women... ...who just sort of started in beauty getting mm-hmm. that full, fuller picture.
0: Yeah. I think probably because you have to be a little bit analytical with beauty... I don't know. I think so.
1: I think so. And I think um, such a big part of that role is fostering relationships. Mm. Um, It's speaking to the right people, knowing which brands are basically on brand for your title or these days for your own personal brand. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's lots in that. Mm -hmm. Just... um, yeah basically knowing how to get money for the magazine it sounds I don't know maybe it sounds silly but beauty editors did have quite a big role in that Mm -hmm. um because beauty advertisers have money so it makes sense right yeah it
0: was while you were in that role as senior editor that you met Natalie. Now you've cited Natalie Faunacea as the inspiration and driving force be- behind, sorry, Call Time on Melanoma. Yes. She was interning for you?
1: Yeah, so um, when I worked at Allure, I mostly worked on Birdie, which yeah. is a beauty and wellness site, but there was also Who What Wear and My Domain under the same mm-hmm. umbrella. And Natalie came in to intern for those three sites. Yeah. So we were talking about this the other day actually because I was saying I really don't remember the day (laughs) that I met you. I mean I just remember this beautiful girl, super – smiley like one of those people that just seem to be made out of sunshine yeah like that that's such a nice description she's like that she's very like that um super keen curious helpful like not all interns are like that so Mm. I think when someone special comes in you really notice and um she's also just genuinely helpful which is always yeah. <laughs> a bonus. Yes. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I think at one point she was sat next to me. So she was coming to me for a lot of um, just her general questions that she had. Mm-hmm. And we sort of struck up a few conversations. And then it sort of evolved from there. I don't know when, but I remember her telling me that she had been diagnosed with melanoma. Before, yeah, yeah, let's talk about her story
0: for those that are not fully across it.
1: Yes, so Natalie was diagnosed for the first time with melanoma when she was 20, which is so incredibly young, unbelievable. Yep, and she was stage three at that point from memory. So, Mm. um, to put her story in a nutshell, she was overseas at the time that she noticed that a mole that she had on her toe was starting to bother her. So it had started, sort of grown a little bit or changed shape and she noticed that because it was rubbing on her sandals. Um, and then while she was away, she woke up one morning and she had 52 bruises on her legs from the knees down. So I've seen that photo and it's oh God. intense. Um, but she basically thought... Something's wrong, obviously, and she says her instinct told her it was something to do with the mole. So I think from memory, she was back home within about two weeks, and her dad had set up a skin check for her in that time. And she'd already had those on a regular basis since she was a child. So the mole was like known to her and her doctor. Yeah, so good. But the thing about melanoma is that it can change Mm -hmm. so rapidly. Or basically come out of nowhere can be nothing and then something in such a short time frame so um you know there's a lot in the story but to speed it up she was diagnosed with melanoma then they found that it had gone into her lymph so at that time the best available treatment was to have her toe amputated and that was essentially because they couldn't get deep enough margins on her toe right um And then the lymph nodes were removed from her groin Mm -hmm. as well on the right side, if I'm not mistaken. But that's all they could do was basically remove all evidence of the melanoma that they could find because immunotherapy didn't exist then and chemo doesn't work on melanoma. Mm -hmm. So then I'll mix in. Our sort of story, basically, Natalie had, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, moved on from that and she had come up to about four years of clean scans. Yeah. So, you know, it was looking good because five years is considered remission, right? So at this... Oh, you'd be celebrating at that point. Yes. You so at, the hill. at this point, she decided that she was going to ex- go on exchange to Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's what she did. She went on exchange for seven months. And as she was leaving her internship, I went on maternity leave. So Mm -hmm. um, we both sort of came back to Sydney at the same time. And um, we met up again. It was my first event back since I'd been back from maternity leave. And um, I walked in actually to a conversation she was having with two of my colleagues. And it seemed really somber. And I was sort of like oh god I've just like walked into something Mm. that I shouldn't be involved in just like gonna back myself out of here and um Natalie said I'll tell you the story just let me finish here and I'll tell you the whole story and I was like oh god what is this whole story and I didn't think oh the melanoma's come back it was like not in my mind Mm um but then we sort of stepped to the side and I don't even remember the words that she said to me now to be honest with you but she was very together um she's amazing she's very strong like that so she basically told me that the melanoma the melanoma had come back and it was in her lungs So, my main memory of that conversation um, is me telling myself, don't be this person who starts crying when someone else is telling you something awful that they're going through. Like, it's Mm. not for you to do that. I'm, like, getting tears in my eyes right now. Um, So, she just sort of – I mean, I didn't start crying until I went home. Yeah, because you feel like you have a responsibility
0: to hold it together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just that my heart was breaking of for her because thats it's just so unfair that it even happened the first time.
0: That's what it is. It's unfair.
1: Yeah. So she told me the story and um, basically I just couldn't get over it. I like, couldn't mm. move past it. I went home, told my husband and he was like, you are just being too much about this. Like, I couldn't sleep that night. I was just laying there thinking... Like this can't happen. We just can't let this happen. I don't know mm. what to do about it, but I have to do something. So, um, basically that is as you say, Natalie was the f- the driving force and the inspiration behind Call Time on Melanoma because it was something that I did for her to start with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm I mean, for for people that aren't fully across her story, her interview on the Shameless Podcast is unbelievable. Yes. She's just a of strength so I mean I guess that kind of changed things for you as well as you said you couldn't really get past it and you're like okay what what can I do mm-hmm. and so call time was you know sort of born yeah like that.
1: madness just yeah. Uh, yeah it's I don't know it's like I know that bad things happen to good people but she it's' if you know her you just know it's like so deeply unfair yeah um but yeah that is what happened so out of something awful um something good was born Mm. I guess but basically the story is I went into work the next day and I said to my managing editor um I can't stop thinking about this and I feel like we need to talk about it to our audience because we had a really switched on, engaged audience on those websites. It just seemed like a huge waste to me to have that platform and not talk about something Mm. as important as this.
0: That's kind of – I mean, I've heard you say something to that effect before and that's really inspired me because I kind of feel the same way with what I'm doing in this podcast in particular, hence this interview. I'm like, I need to be doing something with – ..you know, a bit of substance to it. Explain to me what went in to that very first call time... ..on Melanoma piece on Birdie. After you've gone in and you've said, okay, we need to do this... ..where to from there?
1: All right, so um, we basically got the team together and came up with a bunch of content that we wanted to create around this editorial franchise, which would be the Call Time on Melanoma initiative. Yeah. So part of that was a really emotional interview that I did with Natalie and mm-hmm. um, it was really long it was like a 20 minute read but I couldn't her story is that involved I couldn't cut it yeah further that was the result of two three-hour interviews I'm gonna put links
0: <laughs> to all of these in this because it's oh, thank you it's a worthwhile and very important read
1: yeah it's amazing and Natalie has quite a way with words herself so mm, she does it's um journalism yeah mm. it is really touching and we both, I mean, the end of those interviews we were like holding hands, crying mm. into each other's shoulders. There's a lot that's in it, but there were other... Um, bits of content that we did like michelle from lab muffin yes we did another genius yeah she's so incredible she's like my yoda i swear i'm like always in her dms like michelle (laughs) sos is this right um but yeah she did a piece for us which was sort of myth busting a lot of sunscreen Mm -hmm. um fallacies out there which was a lot of them oh my god there's so many um what else did we do i know there were roundups of great sunscreens and the fashion team did some um some work around cute sunsafe Amazing. Um, you know, like cozies and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so we did all of that. And then another part that we did was um, influencer outreach. And we basically chose a small selection. I think maybe there are about 20 mm-hmm. influencers that we put together these amazing send outs for i so badly wanted one for myself but <laughs> <laughs> they the had the way isn't it <laughs> they had um matto cozies in them and the, they chose them specifically for the recipients amazing they had ray-bans they had avenue hats i think oh my it was God. a really rock solid send out anyway so we had all of that um someone custom printed boxes for us and this was all people giving out of the goodness of their hearts because they believed in the initiative.
0: Amazing.
1: Which is really touching. Um there were like Lano Lips and everything. There were lot lots of good things. And we
0: love Lano Lips. Love Lano.
1: Um so that was all ready to go and then as you know Fairfax and Nine merged and then yes they did everything changed yes I will get to that in a moment I do
0: want to talk about that first very long interview with Natalie now this is probably more of a business question but I still like obviously I think everything that you've done is incredibly brave given how in depth that story was and, I mean, everything that Natalie shared was so... She's she's just amazing. But it was things that hasn't... And even now, they're not really being spoken about, especially not in mainstream media. So it takes a lot of guts to, I mean, pitch that to superiors and put it out into the open. I think if you're doing anything against the grain, it takes a lot of bravery. What would be your advice to anyone who is in any industry and they're like, okay, I want to be doing something that is a little bit different from the norm. How do I go out and do it?
1: Um, I will say, I mean, I should say, first of all, it was actually really easy. It was an easy pitch because it's so important yes and natalie was so dear to everyone in the team Mm. like my managing editor as well that she was on board like from as soon as i mentioned it amazing so that was easy but i would say i mean i wasn't sure i guess if it was gonna go over the line and i think i just thought oh well if it doesn't happen here i'll just do it myself yeah because i felt that strongly about it um I don't even know what my advice would be. I suppose if you feel as strongly about something as I do about this, you'll find a way to make it work if it's mm. not something that you can do like I did at a former workplace. yeah. I mean, we've basically shown now that all you need is an Instagram page. Mm. So there are ways. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it kind of comes
0: back to what you said about just Going with your gut. Yeah. It's the way to make decisions. Let's talk about that merger and the timeline. (laughs) Because my understanding of the timeline is that nine and Fairfax announced their merger. Then you began working on that first kind of batch of content. Then they announced the pedestrian and allure merger. So it's a lot.
1: There's a lot and it's actually really confusing. But um, it is. we were already working on the content. So I I think we maybe were working on it, I think, from go to woe. That was about eight weeks. Right. But we were working on it. Um, Then Fairfax and Nine basically... Finalized the merger like it was officially announced i think on the friday mm-hmm. we were not expecting i certainly was not to be made redundant the following tuesday good but that's God. what happened yep i um, knew it was a you know short run-up but it was God a short run-up and we were this was december so mm-hmm. we were around the corner was it december it was around there. Basically, we I finished in December. It was two weeks before Happy Christmas was my last day. Happy New Jesus. Year. It was a bit of a rough time. It, um, we had a very small office, so Allure was owned by Fairfax, mm. but we sat separate. We were in our own separate office. Yeah. And it was – I think there were maybe about 70 of us. It was quite a tight – Company, I guess. So mm-hmm. it was kind of heartbreaking for everyone involved, because a few people didn't get made redundant, but um, yeah, it sucked for everyone basically. But um, so we found out on the Tuesday, and then we also found out that Friday was the last day. So all of a sudden, we had um, until Friday to make the whole thing live. As I said before, we had other brands involved, so yeah. we it really had to make it happen. So effectively all the teams like who or where might mean everyone pop sugar just stopped and helped get this out amazing because it was important to all of us
0: because i remember i mean from the perspective of an onlooker i because i was like following the whole team on instagram and then you were all posting your like farewell posts on the same day but also farewell and also link in bio, here's this story. I'm like, what is going on?
1: Yeah, I think it became – I mean, it was really important to everyone that Mm. that worked on it and around it. The whole team knew, knows and worked with Natalie and they all adored her as much as I do. So um, I think it was just – something we're all set on, this is going out, if this is the last thing we ever do, if it's the only thing we do before Friday, it's going to be this.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you did. I think I can say that safely on behalf of everyone that is across this initiative. Thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this is kind of trying to put like a positive spin on a shitty situation, but the timing almost feels serendipitous because you launched it. Obviously, it was unbelievably well received and then it was like okay now I can channel time and energy into this and it became its own thing what I wanted to ask you about is from the perspective of a beauty editor obviously and I know you and Natalie have spoken about this speaking very generally the beauty industry does tend to glamorize the whole tanning thing and sun-kissed beach body and so on and so forth Obviously, we hate that, but is that something that you'd thought about as a beauty editor prior to all this, or did that kind of, you know, did Natalie's situation kind of shine a light on that for you?
1: I think I have always been... I mean, my boss, Amy, who was talking about before, is a Sunsafe Sally, so... Excellent, my favourite kind of person. Yes, we always... All the content, the articles that we wrote were about sunless tanning. Mm. I mean, I remember specifically having to qualify talking about tanning in an article to make sure it was really clear to the reader that we're talking about sunless tanning, not going in the sun. Mm -hmm. So I think that was drummed into me from then um, Uh and before then, but like really from then with a beauty hat on, I suppose. um, It is glamorised just not even only in beauty it's like in fashion it's in the health and wellness space and wellness there are lots of yeah it's it is really glamorized Mm. um there's a lot in this question because it's yeah it's actually really hard to find the balance because some people think that sunless tanning is still not great because it sort of perpetuates the idea that a tan is desirable, which, I mean, okay, maybe it does do that, but it offers a safe alternative. Yeah. And I think there's never going to be a day that we wake up where people go, um, I really love the look of myself with a tan, but now nah, I'm just going to walk away from that. Like you can't divorce people from their own aesthetic i don't know yeah
0: i think it then becomes an even bigger conversation about beauty in general because if we're going oh okay well sunless tanning perpetuates the idea that a tan is glamorous then we'd be like oh okay well red lipstick suggests that we are all meant to have a colored lip and then you know
1: yeah there's a lot in it like i've said before and i won't talk too much about this because i don't think i'm the right person to do it but um, there is something in the whole idea of tanning that feels a bit wrong to me because sure. it sort of speaks to our privilege as people with fairer skin tones. Yes. Just in the sense of I can tan myself as dark as I want to go but someone who has dark skin can't Yeah, lighten their skin and there is something uncomfortable in it there but i think that we should leave that to people of color yes. to discuss Agreed. but it is worth mentioning yeah there's just it is actually quite like political yeah when you really get into it it's not just about mm, like i like the look of myself with the tan yeah
0: you know yeah you there's something there's you know, like something I'm meatier a, in it. i am a i'm a yeah. self-tanning addict obviously false mm-hmm. town, but again there is there's like an there's something. Anyway. <laughs> where so so that first
1: lot of content's gone out. You've all finished. Yep. Where to from there? Well, I don't know that there was ever the plan to take it on. It's just that the feedback that we received was insane. Yeah, and rightly the, so. The impact that it had really shocked the hell out of me, I have to say, because I mean, working on those websites, we were talking about things that are important all the time. We always – there was, like, International Women's Day. We were talking about the Me mm. Too, like, um, you know, the same-sex marriage vote, mm. all of that. Important, important things. And, I mean, I can tell you that that content was the highest performing con- content on Birdie in five, the five years that it was live amazing that really just rocked me a bit i don't know i you never know when you launch something is it just going to go out into silence i mean it's really important to me but are other people going to feel the same way about it you can't really know that so when people started you know feeding back to us how they felt about it i think i was in tears for two weeks So emotional, Mm. yes, because I had so much stress about particularly the interview with Natalie. Right. I really feared that um, it wouldn't do her justice, that she would not be happy with it, just all of that. Sure. Um, So I think, yeah, it was to see she was really happy with it, which obviously was the most important thing, but Mm. then to see so get picked up by the shameless legends yes and then loves of my life it kept building from there I mean it it got picked up in a few different places but um I don't know I still think to this day one of the best things that I saw come out of it was someone in the shameless group I think I saw um them repost it in their stories was someone <laughs> pick up her bottle of tanning oil and put it in the bin yeah i know exactly what you're talking about too uh, <laughs> there's a bit of that We're, we'll get on to
0: um to social media and tanning oil yes
1: because yeah there's a lot to that oh, as well so much to cover
0: we could mm. be here for days but oh, yeah i hope so So one of the – I mean, there's a few kind of goals when you go onto the website now. One such goal is to melanoma myth bust, Mm -hmm. which you also did in that piece with Lab Muffin. Off the top of your head, what are some of the biggest myths surrounding melanoma?
1: Okay. This is like every time I get this question, I have to think which ones I'm going to bring up because there's a library (laughs) of them. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is that there is such a thing as a safe tan and that as long as you don't burn, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And then what also works into that is this idea of um, getting a base tan and like how that helps your skin protect itself, mm. which it's just like not right. I'm so sorry. I know people want it to be true, no, but it's I had not. a
0: dermatologist, Dr. Cara, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she was like, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Not a thing.
1: A base tan is equivalent of like SPF4. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just not <laughs> just helping you. Yeah. It's not doing a thing. So there's that. Um, yep, we can definitely say there's no such thing as a, as a safe tan. Yeah. A tan is basically a scar. It's what your yeah. cells do as they're trying to protect themselves from trauma. cancer. It's not Correct. ideal. So like um, there's that is a really big one. To a lesser extent, I hear this all the time, and I see brands talk about it too. And it's not, it's not sort of harmful in the same sense as the first one is, but we hear this repeated all the time that a physical sunscreen works by were say that. reflecting yep. um, UV light, and a chemical, in inverted commas, sunscreen works by absorbing. And I mean, look. I guess technically it's true, but a physical sunscreen only reflects the equivalent of about 5% yep. and the rest it's absorbing, so it they're essentially working the same way, just one is slightly different, and then one thing that I learned from Michelle from Lab Muffin is that some chemical sunscreens can also do that. Yep.
0: yep. So, uh, you this know,
1: is what I Cara just said as well. So this is all adding up. I just want to hear it. I just don't want to see it anymore because it while it's not super harmful it does really confuse the consumer and yeah this is a big part of why people just cannot be bothered because everywhere they go they hear something different and they don't know what to believe
0: I'm a big fan of, an um, in inverted commas, natural sunscreen. <laughs> I, d- I don't want to use something with also, an in inverted commas, chemicals.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, guys, water's a chemical, so there's and that.
0: petrol is something that's natural. That comes from the earth. Are we going to...
1: I know. And know. then the whole thing is, like, the dose makes the poison, right? So yeah. you can die from drinking too much water. Yes, you can. It um, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean we're going to stop drinking water. It's just... That bothers me, not because I have a problem with, um inverted commas, natural brands. It's I've just n- confusing. It's confusing. And mineral sunscreens are great. Mm-hmm. Chemical sunscreens are great. They each have pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Maybe one works better for you. That is the reason why it's so amazing that there are so many options. It just annoys me. And I think it's it bothers me when i see brands talking about our our sunscreen has no chemicals um you know it's all natural no nasties like what is a nasty Mm. i don't know what that means it means something different for every brand and it's just that using marketing to scare people into buying your product is not great
0: no not at all um I mean while we're on that let's talk Mm -hmm. about social media because you know obviously that's kind of the bad side of it which I'm going to circle back to but you've used social media for good and I think that's you know a major part of how you've kind of got the call time message out there. Talk to me about how you've used social media and the sort of social initiative.
1: I think it just made sense for us to be on Instagram because the demo that we're trying to talk to, which is young women, uh, that's where they are. Yeah. And I really wanted to create visuals that are different from what you might have seen before. I wanted to move away from what's typically considered a sun safety campaign. Yes. So I wanted it to be beautiful, inclusive. I wanted every Australian woman to look at it and see themselves or relate to it Mm -hmm. because this is a message for everyone. It's not just not for people who have fair skin and red hair or blue eyes, whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, it just made sense to be on Instagram and it's sort of just grew organically mm-hmm. it's i guess because there was no there was really nothing for us to lose yeah for me to make this instagram page and see you know if we could speak to people where they are in a way that they can relate to and see if it had any traction and then you know to our joy it has mm. had traction a lot
0: um on that note natalie was recently nominated for frank body's get shit done grant which she won which is ten thousand dollars towards call
1: time on melanoma we're still freaking out about it
0: i mean i'm not surprised i also got onto five different instagram accounts and just went (laughs) to town
1: (laughs) thank you what
0: does something like that mean for a not-for-profit like call time on melanoma
1: it means everything basically we i mean i Registered this business off the back of a redundancy so mm. I had no like capital starting capital it's yeah. not like I had this well-honed crafted idea business plan spent 12 months saving the money to open a business account it just happened I felt like we couldn't afford to forfeit the momentum off mm. the back of the birdie story so we were just straight in and then yeah we've have lots of ideas and all of these things that we want to achieve but um obviously money talks so yes it does we haven't asked for donations or felt ready to you know basically get funds that way Mm -hmm. so um this means a lot and we have things to do that we're doing doing with the money. They were already in the works. And I was sort of coming up to the deadline thinking um, I'm going to have to take Uh money out of my family's savings for this. Which, okay, if that happened, that's fine. But it does take – I mean, I don't think my husband was that on board with (laughs) (laughs) with it. It was, like, going to happen with with or without his support. (laughs) Sorry. Don't take marriage advice from me. Um, But – yeah, that's it's made the world of difference. It's amazing. So I still can't believe it. Um, um, there was a Frank event the other night. Yes, pink carpet, scrub. products. Yes, yeah, so I should mention they've advertised on the podcast before.
0: This conversation isn't sponsored by no, Frank. No, it's not. But
1: they are amazing, and their <laughs> products are. are really great. So yeah, it's amazing that it could come from them too. Yeah. Specifically,
0: feels like a nice sort of fit. So, that's the good side of social media. That's some of the good that can come out of it. But then on, I guess, the other side of that coin, you do have influencer culture, which is a generalisation. Not all influencers are doing the same thing. But, yeah, I guess let's talk about it. Why do we think tanning is still being pushed as this, like, sexy thing to do?
1: oh these are such big questions to unpack but um I I love a loaded question let's unpack (laughs) I think um a big part of it is the misinformation so I think you know people do genuinely believe that seeing someone have a bit of color is healthy like I grew up hearing that myself so Mm -hmm. it's not you know out of the realm to think that that has a big part of it um I think as well, look, a lot of influencers like tend to be around the same sort of age, right? And this is the demo that we're speaking to effectively. The demo that we've chosen is 15 to 39. And that's because, um, as you probably know, melanoma is the number one cancer for young people in this country. And that is the age group. Yeah. So most influencers would probably fit into that age group. And I think... When you're young, you just don't think that anything can touch you. No, so, invincible. when you hear these things about, you know, skin cancer, it's really easy to just think, "Oh, this is that's something that happens to old people, mm. not yeah. me. Like that's not going to happen to no, me." I'll be fine. Um, and melanoma specifically, I mean, before we started on this journey, I have worked in beauty for over a decade and I didn't know that Mm -hmm. that's the number one cancer in young people obviously most young people don't get cancer but for that to be the number one cancer it still says a lot um so yep I think there's just people don't know people don't really think it's ever going to touch them and then that just sort of creates the perfect environment combined with this social ideal of beauty Mm. Australian beauty like very outdoorsy athletic you get a tan from being outside in the sun being on the beach it's like very part of our lifestyle and culture it's just like this perfect storm and then we Mm. have this horrific ozone and very brutal sun yeah so it's like just a very bad thing it's not to be great. happening. Here. <laughs> um but yeah, there are as you say, there are lots of influencers who like openly promote tanning. I think a lot of them do really genuinely believe that it's healthy. Oh, a bit of vitamin D. Vitamin D. Oh. As long as you've got your sunscreen on you're fine. Obviously that's not true. No. I mean you can out bake the sunscreen. Yeah. Right? That's how you're getting the tan effectively. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah there's a lot yeah there's a lot do you think people are getting better and I mean better isn't the right word more knowledgeable or I think we've seen from the work that we've done people who genuinely don't know who discover oh like what I thought was wrong I thought that i was just being healthy getting vitamin d i thought as long as i have sunscreen on with my tanning oil that that's safe Mm. all of those things and once they find out that it's not really they tend to do a backflip, like that woman who threw her tanning oil in the bin which like is the greatest thing i've probably ever seen to this day um but there are definitely people who aren't on board with the message and that's fine i mean your body is yours to do with as you wish mm-hmm. it's like when i see people who are smoking and i'm like has no one told you don't you know yeah did you not get the memo yeah
0: that i but don't like that's my well. yeah
1: you know i'm i think probably health conscious at least in that way mm. it, i wouldn't do it and i don't do it but it's people can do what they want with their body yeah you mentioned sunscreen and tanning oil
0: as two different products but what we're seeing more and more is tanning oils that have spf in them yep that's not a thing how are brands getting away with this
1: they get away with it so i I guess first we should say no it's not a thing you can't it just doesn't work right you can't like Combine something that's protecting your skin from the sun with something that's actively drawing... Two entirely contradictory things. ...the sun to your skin. Mm. So, um, no, please don't use them. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't. I mean, don't. It's Mm. just get your tan out of a bottle. They really... It bothers me because, again, it's like confusing the consumer because some of them say things like protect and tan, which... You know, when you buy a product, obviously there's some level of believing what's written on the bottle. Yeah. So if it says SPF 30 or whatever it is, you're gonna think this is probably better for me than lying out in the sun with nothing. I mean, they're both not great, no. but um, the way that brands can pr- like manufacture products like that basically has to do with the laws that we have in this country about sunscreen. So yeah. Um primary sunscreen is considered a therapeutic good so they there are lots of regulations and laws yeah around how they're manufactured it's surprisingly strict to the mm. level of um how big a font can be words that can be on the packaging all of that sort of thing whereas something like a foundation with a sunscreen or a ta- like a tanning oil with a sunscreen in it is a secondary yeah. product so it's sort of like a loophole that they can get through because it's basically classed as a cosmetic yeah um mm. so it's not ideal and yeah I just wish that they didn't exist I would honestly rather mm. just see a tanning oil with no sunscreen in it because at least the consumer knows what they're buying and there's no confusion yeah you know
0: it's it, that's what it is confusion again Why do you think so many, I I was going to say women, but men and women are reluctant to just work SPF into their routine every day? Like, why is it not a thing?
1: It baffles me, actually. I think, I mean, look, I know part of it is lots of people think that sunscreen is still disgusting, still sticky, chalky, bluey, has a white cast, all of that. Obviously, you and I know sunscreen formulations have come a really long way. Yes. And there are so many good options at Mm. all price points. Um, But I do think there are people who haven't used sunscreen in, I don't know, five, ten years and their last memories, it'd be the same as looking at fake tan from ten years ago. Like things have changed, guys. Yeah,
0: I was having this conversation with someone the other day. I'm not using holiday skin
1: anymore. (laughs) I just think of those, like, orange fizzy tans that oh, everyone yep. had. Yep. I mean, things have come a long way and sunscreen's exactly the same. Mm. You don't have to have a gross product. There are really elegant formulas that are super easy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot in this too. I think mm. people are afraid of sunscreen. They read things that are not factual and they don't have... The facts. Yeah. There's a lot of scaremongering going on out there. There are lots of people pushing different agendas for xyz mm. reasons. Um so you know that FDA study came out was it this year? I think so. I think um so. that basically said well it didn't say I mean it did say this but we already knew this information that some sunscreen filters can show up in your blood yeah. which really doesn't mean anything in and of itself, but um, it got picked up by a lot of media outlets and really... um, Classic. Yep, misreported, basically, a lot. You
0: pop something out of context and it takes on a life of its own.
1: Yeah, and we see things like that all the time. I mean, there'll be, say, an influencer will post a story where they say you know, um, I don't use sunscreen on my children because of this, this and this. And then people will send it to Mm. us like really frightened that they're doing the wrong thing and need to be set straight. That's I think maybe because I see that side of how it can affect people, this misinformation and really terrify them and make them feel like they've done the wrong thing. Mm. Um, That's probably why I'm so... I get so pissed off when I see it. Yeah, I get that.
0: Um, I, again, like obviously not to make this about me, but I think it's an important conversation. I've been asked to promote, you know, tanning oils and there are certain brands that I'm like, no, I'm obviously not going to work with you for, you know, reasons that we've covered. That's, I mean, that's like the least that I could be doing and I'm always thinking, okay, there's definitely more that I could be doing and there's more to be done. What do you think that those of us in the beauty industry could be doing differently?
1: I think what you're doing is great. I mean, to not... That wasn't um, me fishing, but No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a hard one because, like, do I want to sit here and say that no one should ever promote those products? Like, probably not. Have Mm. I never in my career written about some of these brands? Like... I'm sure I'm sure that I have. I mean when I was at Birdie there was a brand obviously I won't name them but mm-hmm. they make um tanning oils amongst other things that I remember thinking you know because I'm talking about just this straight body oil and because I've specifically said in my copy that it, tanning oils are bad and I don't use them or promote yeah. them that that's enough is that enough I don't know. Yeah there's again That's a loaded question. There's a lot to it. There's a lot, a lot to it. I think, you know, I think about this a lot. And is it about just showing the sun safety? I think a big part, like a big thing that we see on social media now, is influencers at the beach or wherever they are, some glamorous location where they're quite tanned and they're in a bikini in the sun. We all know that image. It's beautiful. Yeah. But is it about showing what is behind that? Like people have said to me before, oh, I take a photo in my bikini, but I'm like over here really with a hat and sun shirt on. And I'm like, okay, well then why isn't the photo of that? Because you know that people don't get out of the image that you're wearing the other thing. They don't know that. Um, they don't know that you have 50 plus on. They don't know that that's a spray tan. So I do think that the onus is on us somewhat to show that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where brands come in that make great hats, make mm. really chic swimwear, all of that stuff. But yeah, I do think there is so- somewhat of an onus on influencers to show that stuff and maybe also not to post lols about sunburn
0: yeah no 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 it's not
1: it's not funny funny. I think just to make light of it like that I mean look I know people probably listen to this and think oh my god this woman needs to get a life I don't think
0: people that feel like (laughs) that are listening to this podcast to be frank
1: It's just that I think when you break it all down, promoting suntanning is effectively promoting a behaviour that we know causes cancer. Yeah. So to me it's sort of like the way in TV advertising you need to show seatbelts, you need to not show dangerous driving and things like that. You can't even – I don't think you can even show smoking in an ad No, and I know it's
0: very strict the way you can show alcohol – like yeah. all of these things so yeah
1: there are all these rules and regulations and I know social media is its own separate entity but I do think that we should be a bit cognizant of that mm. and how what we show what that message is that's being sort of posted out to your thousands millions of influencers yeah. some of whom are like 15 year old girls yeah who probably don't know enough at this point to determine what's actually behind that photo. Yeah, they see a girl with a tan on a beach and go, that's what I'm doing with my summer. Absolutely. Mm.
0: (sighs) Away from tanning specifically, you've spoken a lot about how important it is to just be acutely aware of our own bodies because obviously melanoma melanoma, sorry, I mean in Natalie's case, for example, Mm. it you know, it came up in another way. I would love to talk more about this how can we ensure that we are in tune with our bodies and what should we be doing if something feels a bit off
1: that tip is actually one from natalie there so, you go yeah, yeah she's very um passionate about that i suppose because as you pointed out her melanoma wasn't actually caused by too much mm. exposure to the sun um and You know, you would have heard from us telling her story before how quickly it went from nothing to something. So I think, you know, we've talked about gut feeling and all that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Obviously, that's not something that's going to happen all the time. But if you do have something, and I'm not just talking about skin cancer, I mean anything. Yeah. If you have a floater in your eye, if you wake up with bruises like Natalie did, if you just don't feel right sick in the tummy whatever like suddenly have headaches all of these things are so easy to brush off and just yeah. sort of think you know I'm tired and busy la, la 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 all of those things but I think I've learned that that sort of attitude like really serves no one you're never really gonna walk into a doctor's office and have them like laugh you out of there no so I mean, I hope not. <laughs> well, and if, if they do, do, they're going <laughs> to the wrong doctor. If you do, please find a new, um, yeah. Yeah. Health professional to not see. Not But, um, yeah, I think just if something doesn't feel right, you've got to go and get it checked. And I think mm. since I became a parent, you sort of see the difference between how you treat yourself and how sure. you look after your child. Mm anything happens with my son and i'm like we need this checked this week with Mm. me i'm like oh next month i've got a window here like can squeeze it in there Mm. i'm as guilty as anyone but um yeah if there's one thing i've learned especially from the stories now that have come out of call time People who've gone to get a skin check who've never had one like purely because mm. of the Instagram who found a mole that wasn't even bothering them. It was just something that's now being found on their body that turns out to have been a melanoma. Yeah. Like that's frightens me when I think about what could have happened if that just went unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Go and get your skin checked.
0: Um, probably worth mentioning how's Natalie now?
1: She's well. Good. Yeah. She's um, She did a post a while oh. back now where the doctors had told her that there's no active cancer in her system. That's
0: so amazing. Which
1: I think is as good a news that yeah. you can get. Um, she's still doing immunotherapy, so I think she's got probably about 12 months left wow. of that. It's hard on her. Like, I awesome. mean, I don't want to tell her story for her, but... Yeah there's a lot even when she posts something like that there's a lot that goes on or that she's dealt with Mm. behind the scenes that people don't know about which you know that's her Mm. having some privacy for herself but yeah I do often think because she holds herself so well and she's so strong and positive so much of the time that people just don't see like what she has had to go through and it's a lot. But, yes, she is well, she's working, we're working on our projects together. Yes, I'm happy to hear that she's well. You still work in beauty today and obviously
0: spent years as a beauty editor. Over the span of your career thus far, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen within the beauty industry?
1: Probably the biggest one is that um, there are a lot less magazines now than there were when I started. Um, Most of the events that I go to now, traditional media, even new media, I guess, which would be digital, there's not that many of us left. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's just not really that many titles. So I think the choices are slim these days, there's few titles that you can go and work for, or you can do something yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there are a lot more. I hate calling people influencers because, for the most part, there's so much more than that. I agree with that. But
0: also, like, I mean, for me personally, if I'm being called an influencer, it's like, great, my job is to, you know, affect people's purchasing decisions. So, if I'm influencing them, Job done. Yeah, it's amazing. So I don't think it's offensive. No. But some people certainly are like,
1: I don't think it's offensive, it. maybe just a bit reductive. Yeah, sure. Because there are lots of mm. people that have, you know, there's so much going on mm. um, and there's such a spectrum, I yes. guess. Um, but yes, there are lots more influences mm-hmm. in this space than there ever were before. And I actually think that it's amazing how that has diversified like perceptions of beauty in this country. Yeah. I hate the word diversity. I'm just going to say that now. But um, I think it's just basically broken the mould because Mm. what was coming out of magazines for the most part was pretty similar. Yeah. You know, even if I think about like choosing models for shoots and stuff when I worked in magazines, there's this perception of like a beauty face right so some models will have a beauty face and some won't that doesn't mean they're not attractive like not Mm -hmm. at all it's just a very specific look yeah and so I think if we look at now what's happened there are a lot more people who are using their own face like amazing makeup artists yeah I think that's all great like Mm -hmm. I want to see that I want to see more more I yeah. want to see the same. That's maybe it's because I I did it for whatever ten years, whatever it was. But I'm over it. I want to see new, exciting. And what
0: changes do you think we can expect to see over the next couple of years?
1: I don't even know if I'm the right <laughs> person to answer that. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I hope that we just keep moving in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see more real and less photoshopped to oblivion yeah you know and like there's a place for everything but i don't know is it maybe it's because i'm like in my 30s now i just want to see i look at all the women that i know around me and they're all so beautiful each in their own unique ways and i think when i look at someone that's what i see Mm about them is their most beautiful features whatever it is yeah and i think why can't we have more of that i mean obviously models are genetically blessed gorgeous humans yeah that's not to discount them or leave them out either i just want to see a better mix that's more representative of everyone everyone
0: yeah my final question what is next for call time on melanoma
1: lots of exciting things um i can say we have a podcast coming up that we have produced in conjunction with the melanoma institute which is really exciting obviously to work with them they are like the voice yeah in this field so they're amazing and that's been really great to work on and then I can't say too much about it but there is a very exciting campaign coming up for this summer with um I won't even say I'm not (laughs) going to give any clues but an amazing amazing beauty brand and um then we're just about to shoot some summer imagery ourselves
0: That was Lisa Patulney, founder of Call Time on Melanoma, who you can find on Instagram at Lisa Patulney and at Call Time on Melanoma. To read my interview with Lisa, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at Watts and at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share and I will be back for Season 2 on January 15th. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.